The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Many individuals try to find success on a daily basis. But what defines this success? Where does it come from? When you find a passion in your life and pursue this passion, everything can come together to form success. This is Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. Our guests will motivate you to take the next step to your success. Now, here's your host, David Wallach. Good morning, y'all. It's great to be back with you, our listeners, on our Tuesday morning show, Taking Care of Business. Uh, My guest today is Mike Lipsy, president of the Lipsy Company of Altamonte Springs in Florida. Uh, Good morning, Mike. David, good morning. And yes, my office is in Altamonte Springs, but I'm happy, like you, working the West Coast this week. (laughs) That's perfect. We're on the same time zone. by the way, before we start, I have to ask you a question. Uh, when we spoke last week and prepared for the program, you interviewed me about uh, what I thought will be, or who I thought would be the winner of the Final Four. Are you happy with the results? Well, being a fan of the ACC, I had two sons that went to the University of Virginia, so uh, it's always nice to see a team win from the Atlantic Coast Conference. So, yes, I am pleased. Good. So we'll have a great conversation because you're happy. Um, well, uh, let me introduce. Right, yeah. <laughs> let me introduce Mike um, to our listeners. Um, if you ask any commercial real estate industry member who is Mike Lipsy, I'm sure uh, the answer will be the same: that he is the leader of training and consulting in our industry of commercial real estate. Uh, Mike established the Lipsy Company in 1980, uh, and he presents over 200 training programs, workshops, seminars, and keynotes addresses each and every year. Um, that's why he's on the West Coast today. Uh, Mike, Mike's teaching focuses on improving industry members' kind of performance, uh, streamline um, their operation. I should say ours, not theirs, because I'm part of the commercial real estate. Uh, generate more business, and with the intention of the results being increasing our with over 35 years of being actively involved uh, in the commercial real estate industry, um, Mike's programs helped address challenges facing the, our industry, and equally important, uh, equip, equip uh, practitioners with necessary skills to compete in today's uh, high-speed business world. Uh, Mike holds several industry designations such as MICP, CCIM, CPM, and CRB. Once again, uh, good morning, Mike. Good morning again. And, and David, are, let me ask you, who, who, who do you think is the audience? Uh, you know, the audience is uh, very uh, diversified. Uh, we have listeners from about 15 or 16 countries. Uh, most of them are North America, uh, a lot of from Europe. And uh, we also have from uh, South America, Asia. And the audience is a mixture of People that, uh, you know, uh, business people, people that are, uh, you know, looking to do maybe a change in life, people that are looking some some kind of uh, good advice and success stories. And um, that's why we're here. We're here to kind of uh, share with them people that, you know, leaped into uh, and took the risk of opening their own business, uh, doing career changes and excelling. And um, we want to learn from... uh, People's success, failures, uh, problems, issues, hurdles—how they how they got over them—and and that's why we are here. So, but well, before that, and, and, before, yeah, go ahead. go ahead, Mike. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I was going to say You're something. Yes. Well, you know, it's interesting. And you said, you know, how to get over failures. Not that you've even asked me the first question. When I was interviewing young brokers, commercial brokers, this goes back forty years ago. You know, I would always be asked, are you concerned about their IQ? And I said, I tell you what I'm more concerned about is their FQ. And maybe you and I have had this discussion before. FQ is failure quotient. 
And if you can kind of make the determination of who has the ability to continue to come back and come back and come back, at least in commercial real estate, those tend to be our best producers. They just understand how do I fail, learn from that failure, get better. As a matter of fact, Tom Peters, who's a wonderful author and a writer, used to say, you know, learn how to fail quickly. So you kind of caught my attention when you said, you know, some have failed and are trying to learn from that. It, it kind of made me think about the concept of FQ and how we can fail quickly. But go ahead. I'm going to be quiet and let you ask the questions. <laughs> well, people that don't know you are probably surprised, but why am I not surprised that you are interviewing and not me? <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, Mike, before we kind of dive into uh, your training uh, programs and, and your uh, experience, and, and you have a, 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 an experience that I don't think that there are many people that can compare to your experience, but I want to kind of the audience and to get to know you a little better, and maybe myself as well, because we know each other only from on a business level. Um, so, where are you originally from? Are you from northern Orlando, meaning Alt- Altamonte Springs? No, I'm from Louisiana. I grew up in a neat little city in southwest Louisiana called Lake Charles, not too far from Texas. Uh, it's a wonderful community. As a matter of fact, just as an aside, uh, it has a wonderful gaming industry, and you wouldn't think there's a lot of gambling going on in, in southwest Louisiana, but Louisiana has these laws that if you can put a casino on the water, you're permitted to have gambling, and there were a limited number of licenses. And then also, Lake Charles, Louisiana, where I grew up, is, has some of the largest facilities that does liquid natural gas, uh, huge facilities. As a matter of fact, when I was in college, I used to work at the plants, uh, one in particular is called PPG, and a lot of college students would get these summer jobs over there, and they were kind of hard jobs, and I knew that uh, at that time, I didn't think I wanted to work in the hot sun uh, for a full career. So that's where I grew up, Lake Charles, Louisiana. I see. And uh, your parents—they were they entrepreneurs. Were they you know, owning businesses, or they were working for a salary and you know enjoying life and relax? If I got the question because it broke up a little bit, was the question was my was my parents in business? Yeah, were your parents in business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great question. My dad was a real estate developer and. He would buy large tracts of land sort of just out, just kind of in the path of growth, maybe 10 years you know, out, and he, would, he had a lumber yard, and he would build these kind of 1,500-square-foot houses uh, at the lumber yard, and he would put them on these huge flatbed trucks, and he would take them to the site, and he would sell the house with the lot, and he would finance it. So I can remember as a small child, going with my dad as he was doing these kind of grand openings of these subdivisions in southwest Louisiana. And so I always kind of think that I grew up in the real estate business, and not that you've even asked me this, I have three sons who are in the real estate business. They don't work with me. They're kind of all in different sort of divisions. Uh, But, you know, it's interesting. There's a lot of folks that come into real estate because they were exposed to it you know, at a younger age, and they just sort of have an instinct for it. Yeah, but to answer your question, my dad was in the business. He was a single-family home developer and had a lumberyard and a developer. So being entrepreneur runs in the family, that's what you're saying. Your father, you, and now your sons. Well, I couldn't get into dental school, so that's the reason I got into commercial real estate. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. I couldn't get to law school. Which worked out great for me, but you know I was a horrible science student, which is kind of important if you want to become a dentist. And so, you know, it, when one door door closes, one always opens up, and the door that opened up for me, which is the one that probably I should have known that I was always going to take, was commercial real estate. But I got to share this with you: the reason I was so attracted to commercial real estate is I knew it was one of those careers that had unlimited opportunity. And you didn't need much capital. You could get into the business, um, you know, and, you know, get some nice listings, which didn't cost you anything but a lot of hard work, and you could sell those listings. And then also, as you well know, you could find opportunities that you could start taking an equity position in some of the more attractive deals. You could go to folks that were in your community that would maybe, you know, contribute some equity. So I'm getting way ahead of myself, but I just kind of instinctively knew I had no capital, 
that it was one of those businesses I could get into uh, w- with limited resources. So um, you grew up in uh, southwest uh, Louisiana, and then uh, where did you go to school, to college? I went to LSU uh, okay. and uh, started my career in Baton Rouge, uh, which is the capital of Louisiana. And uh, interestingly enough, things just work out this way. The guy that owned the firm said, Mike, we want to open up an office in New Orleans. And I was in my 20s at the time. And so I go to New Orleans and open up this real estate office. Uh, and shortly thereafter, met a woman who I'm still married to almost 40 years later. Uh, so it was just fortunate. And not that you've even asked me this, but I started a commercial real estate firm because there were, weren't many commercial brokerage houses in New Orleans at that time. And I eventually sold it to CBRE back in 1981. So I went from Baton Rouge to New Orleans. Long story short, I really wanted to live in Central Florida, which is where we live now. And we moved to Central Florida, Orlando, uh, kind of 1987. And uh, during your uh, time at LSU, how did you uh, finance your studies? Your parents worked hard. You opened your own business. You were already thinking of uh, becoming an entrepreneur, or you went to and uh, worked at the gas plant in uh, southwest Louisiana? Well, I worked in the summers. Uh, I did go in the Navy. And when I came back, I continued to work in the evenings. Uh, I had what's called the GI Bill, uh, which paid for part of my tuition. Uh, so just a combination of, you know, getting through school. And, of course, my, I was fortunate. My mother and father, you know, always helped when I really needed help. But my dad philosophically always believed, uh, you know, don't help too much. Uh, he used to always think that the, the, the worst thing that you could do for a son or daughter was to help them too much. Uh, and with my three sons, I kind of philosophically have the same belief that, you know, give them a great education, give them good direction, give them lots of mentoring, but don't help them too much. Perfect. And um, so you, you started the uh, commercial real estate brokerage in uh, New Orleans, and then you sold it, and then what? Just- well, I sold my firm to CV in 1981, which was a wonderful experience. I stayed on with them from 81 to 84. And then in 84, I decided I really wanted to spend more time in the equity side of the business. And so with partnerships from Houston to Mobile, Alabama, started acquiring office buildings and shopping centers, uh, which was a wonderful experience. But I came to the realization that really wasn't my passion. You know, you own a lot of real estate. And to own real estate, you've got to be patient There's good markets and bad markets, but the one thing that I always enjoyed was training and consulting. And Joseph Campbell, a wonderful philosopher, used to say, follow your bliss. And my bliss always was coming to Calgary and, and working with your associates uh, on, you know, making presentations or how to do business development. You know, I'm in Las Vegas today with a wonderful developer. I'm going to be in Los Angeles the rest of the week with a wonderful shopping center developer. And I just found out that that was much more rewarding for me than actually owning the shopping centers and operating the properties. Well, you're describing what you're doing now, but, you know, 36 years ago in 19, or 35 in 1982, uh, or how did you realize, did you mentor already people that you came to the realization that that's what you like to do or, or it was just, you know, a dream? It's interesting. You know, I haven't had that question, Lord knows in how long. When I, when I started my real estate company, I knew it was going to take a while before we had positive cash flow. And I always enjoyed teaching. So I started a little school Uh, and I would travel all over the state of Louisiana, putting on what was called licensed law courses. And, and I would put them in on the evenings, and I'd put them on the weekends. And so uh, this was even before 1981. Back in the late 70s, I was traveling all over the state putting on these licensed law courses. And I got my CCIM designation, and I was fortunate that I became a CCIM instructor in the early 80s. And I really enjoyed, you know, teaching CCIM courses. So... I'd always been instructing and teaching and training almost from the very beginning. I don't know if I was doing it from the beginning because it was just something I enjoyed doing or it was something I enjoyed doing, and it was a, an additional source of income 
while I was trying to, you know, get some deals closed. <laughs> Interesting. Well, uh, it looks like uh, we're going for our first uh, commercial break. Uh, make sure to open a new tab and check our, our so- social media. Also check uh, Lipsico.com, www.lipsico.com. Uh, we're going to discuss uh, the programs that uh, the Lipsy company is offering and how they develop it. Uh, and we'll see you at the other side of the commercials. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I-Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. And we're back uh, with our guest, Mike Lipsy. Uh, Mike, so before we went into commercial, you said that uh, your passion is as a mentor and teaching. And, you know, a big leap to your new company. And at that time, in, in the early 80s, did you kind of identify a need for change or a void in the industry, uh, in the commercial real estate industry, that you decided to be the trainer and the mentor of that industry? Well, I had always trained almost from the very beginning when I first got the business. I was doing some sort of evening course or weekend training program. And so, uh, as I mentioned, I sold my firm to CBRE in 1981. I stayed with them till 84. And then from 84 to 87, I started acquiring a good bit of commercial real estate, as I had mentioned, from Houston to Mobile. And I'm not blaming this on oil and gas, but at that time, the price of oil and gas got to about $8 a barrel. And it was just hard to keep, uh, you know, tenants in many of our shopping centers and office buildings. And so I had to spend a couple of years doing all sorts of workouts with my lenders and workouts with my partners. It was, it was of the 40 plus years I've been in the business, it wasn't a lot of fun. I look back on it as a wonderful learning experience. But I also look at it as just two years of just grinding, of sitting down with your lenders and saying, you know, I can't pay the interest this month. Matter of fact, I can't pay the interest this year. Can we do some sort of, you know, workout? You know, and so we were fortunate. We worked everything out, but it took a long time. And I can remember as I was having to either sell these shopping centers for less than what we actually bought them for or doing one workout or, matter of fact, maybe taking my interest in some of these properties and, and giving it, not selling it to some of my partners. I converted one of our spare bedrooms to a little office. And I didn't even have a desk in there. And I'm sitting in there thinking, you know, I'm going to have to start all over again. I mean, I essentially got wiped out. And you're thinking, do I want to be a broker? 
Do I want to start all over again and be a developer? Do I want to renovate shopping centers? And so, you know, it's just, it, it just sometimes comes to you. And so I just started saying, well, why don't I do, since I have to start all over again, do what I enjoy? And at that time, yeah. kind of in the mid to late 80s, there weren't that many individuals that would be willing to travel all over. And I mean, I travel all over the world, you know, going to different clients' offices, doing training, customizing the training that they need. So, David, to answer your question, my back was against the wall. And I essentially had to kind of reinvent myself. And I was having to make the decision, do I want to start a new brokerage company? Do I want to start a new debt development company? Or do I want to do what I really enjoy doing and follow my bliss and start a training company? So what I did is I started the company that we have to this day, uh, you know, which is the Lipsy Company, which is a full-service training company providing training to those that are in commercial real estate in one way or another. They could be corporate real estate executives, they could be owners, they could be developers, or they could be brokers. Interesting that you started with your back against the wall. That's a great, uh, great story. Um, so when you kind of uh, decided to uh, start your own uh, company, did you kind of prepare your mission, vision, strategic plan, or the strategy how to execute the plan and get uh, and get clients, or you just went on a limb and started calling people and say, "Hey, I'm Mike Lipsy. I want to come and train your people." What well, was the what were question. the first steps? The first step is always the mission statement or vision statement. And the mission statement I created then with the change of one word has essentially been the same mission statement for over 30 years, to be the international leader in training and consulting for the commercial real estate industry, to be the international leader in training and consulting for the commercial real estate industry. That was my compass heading. That was true north. That mission statement enabled me to say no to all those activities I had no business getting involved with. Old partners would call me up and say, Mike, you know, the market's coming back. Would you like to be a general partner in a nice deal I found? No. Uh, I, you know, you get all these kinds of opportunities, and if they weren't, you know, closely aligned to my vision statement, to my compass heading, it enabled me to say no. It, it enabled me not to get distracted. And so anyone that I think that's, that's in business that says, Lipsy, you know, can you give me a suggestion? I always say, what is your mission statement that is true north for you that will enable you to stay on course, but more importantly, say no to all those opportunities and all those distractions which aren't part of your, your compass setting? Um, Mike, you know, it's nice to have a mission and a vision, and, and I know a lot of companies that have, uh, you know, mission and vision. The issue that I find with many of those statements or the statements would is the execution taking it from the wall and into the office how do you how did you do it then how do you do it today well i can tell you how i did it then i had a wife and three sons and <laughs> you do I do it out of necessity <laughs> and it, it is you know it is you have got to book the assignments Uh, I mean, you know, the, like the, the movie Apollo 13, failure is not an option. Uh, uh, I had no option. And so you asked that I start making calls. Yeah, I picked up the phone and started making 25, 30, 35, 40 outbound calls every single day. And I started calling on the largest real estate companies in, in North America. And I started calling on boutiques. And I can remember a couple of the first guys that answered the phone were in South Florida. Neil Mary, who's still in the business today and, and is a dear friend, he answered the phone. He said, yeah, come on over here and, and train my associates. And I went over there to South Florida and went into his office of 15, 16 associates and really enjoyed the, uh, uh, the experience. And so, yeah, I called on large companies. And if you look at our practice today, we're fortunate. If you look at the five or six largest real estate companies you know, on the planet, they, they are our clients and have been our, been our clients for over 30 years. But at the same time, we have hundreds of regional firms, very much like yours, that we've enjoyed decades of, of long-serving relationships with. So we do large firms. We do, you know, uh, boutiques. We do regional firms. Uh, but I just picked up the phone and started making calls to those who I thought would appreciate someone coming to them. Here's the reason why, David. If you were to send all your associates to a training program, like I'm in Las Vegas training today, That's expensive. That's airfare. That's hotels. You know, that's their tuition. Or alternatively, I come to Calgary 
economically, it's a whole lot better, and you're going to get the, the exact same training as if you sent all your associates to Las Vegas. But as an alternative, you can get more training done more frequently by having me come to Calgary. So that was the model and still is the model today. Which uh, brings me to uh, kind of ask you a question. How many days a year um, are you traveling for business? I try to keep it to 220 days a year. Uh, 220 days. Sorry, Mike. 220 days that you sleep in hotels? That's 220. That's 220. And last year, 2016, it was probably about 223, 224. Uh, and, it, and, and I got to tell you, what is really enjoyable. Now, this week is all being done by air travel because I've got to go to Las Vegas and then Los Angeles. So two weeks ago, I did a three-week driving trip. I get in my car. My wife came with me. Lottie came with me the first week. And we started off in Atlanta. And then we did uh, Nashville. And then I did Indianapolis. And then I did South Bend, Indiana. And then, and then I did Milwaukee. And then I did Southfield. I loved it. I absolutely loved it for two reasons. One, I'm in all these offices all around the country and in Canada. And then two, I'm in commercial real estate. I want to see how commercial real estate is being used in a variety of marketplaces. I want to see the new multifamily. I want to see how new retail looks. I want to see what the new lifestyle center looks like. My oldest son, who's the chief operating officer of Real Estate Investment Trust, says, Dad, you're an amalgamator. You travel all over. And you go see your friend David in Calgary, and he tells you the neat stuff that he's doing up there. But you take his idea, and then you, you go down to Houston, Texas, and you share the idea. You learn from David in Calgary, but you pick up a new idea when you're in Houston. I said, Jason, I guess you're right. I am sort of an amalgamator. So it sounds like a lot of travel. However, it is, it is so rewarding to see all this real estate and see all these friends as I'm moving from market to market. So it really doesn't ever seem like a burden because I get so much pleasure out of it. Um, perfect. So, uh, you know, you, you mentioned that uh, 35 years ago, uh, you're back against the wall. You started calling people and you got your first assignments. Um, today, you have a, a growing, uh, a very big company that is, uh, you know, internationally recognized. And we all know that you have some growing pain. So, how did you guys, uh, how did you expand the company? How did you grow the company? Uh, what steps did you take to grow the company to where it is today? Well, the, the growth really comes from our new training programs. Uh, the one concern that I have when I do a training program is the client comes up to me and says, Mike, that wasn't relevant or we've heard that before. Those are my two fears. So that means we need to reinvent our topics all the time. We've just launched our newest training program uh, called Top of Mind, Be Easy to Find. And what I mean by Top of Mind, Easy to Find is how do you use all of the electronic footprint, which is available to us, all the e-touches, all the social media that is now available that inexpensively we can be Top of mind, that means prospects are thinking about you all the time, and when they decide to call you, you'll be easy to reach. So that's a course that we just launched in January. So it's not that we so much expand our business by more trainers, and we have just added a wonderful new trainer, uh, Tim Rios, who's out of Salt Lake City. We do continue to add new video training programs. What's most important to us is that we add new training programs. The business evolves all the time. And the one thing that I know, if I was delivering the same programs today that I delivered 10 years ago, I wouldn't be traveling 220 days a year. I'd be traveling 15 days a year. So that's the one thing our clients want from us is, Lipsy, we want new material that will help our brokers in today's market, in today's environment, be more productive. Um, you know, you talk uh, about commercial real estate and, and commercial real estate brokers. And, you know, uh, as you know, I'm familiar with your programs. We we, uh, we had you in our office uh, a few times and uh, you worked with uh, our guys. And, you know, when I look at the uh, programs, uh, for example, uh, Systems for Success or Lipsy 5050, which we're going to uh, tap in a second, um, it seems to me that it's not uh, true just for commercial real estate brokers. It, it's almost true for almost every salesperson in every sales in, in every industry. Um, 
you chose to focus on one uh, market segment. Why that? Why not just expand to every salesperson that uh, you know needs help? Well, great question. Uh, for years, uh, I was an author for a company called Nightingale Conan. And Nightingale Conan was the largest publisher of motivational tapes and CDs and, you know, those sorts of training materials. And I had the wonderful fortune of, of meeting Brian Tracy and Barbara Garrity. These were leading trainers that train generically. They train automobile industry on Monday and insurance on Tuesday. I think the reason or one of the reasons that our company has been successful, if you would say we've been a little bit successful, it's because when we go in, we speak specific to commercial real estate and only real estate. And, and, partition, and practitioners come up to me and say, Mike, it's obvious you know our business. David, I just always felt uncomfortable taking any one of my programs and presenting it to a group when I couldn't use their examples, when I couldn't use their case studies. And so it, it's just, it was, it was, for me, it was just confidence. I was much more confident standing in front of a group of commercial real estate practitioners instead of going in front of a group that had nothing to do with commercial real estate. It just felt awkward. And so I made the decision. And here's what's fascinating. Those who do training for all industries probably make a whole lot more each day than I do because my world is so narrowly focused. My universe isn't as large as maybe a trainer who can train five different industries. It's just a decision that I made. I felt more comfortable and more confident when I was in front of a group that touched commercial real estate because I wanted them thinking, yeah, that, that I get that. Lipsy certainly understands our business. So it was just a personal choice and one that I thought about thousands of times. If I was a general trainer, I probably would, my fees would be greater each day with larger audiences. But, you know, you've got to stick with something you feel comfortable with. That's we that. Before the programs, I want to show um, that I had no clue who I am. It was uh, 200 practitioners in Calgary. So, I, you know, I jumped on that wagon and I came to listen to you at the Hyatt. And there's one thing that stuck me for 16 years. You divide room into, into pairs. So one for one, one whole room said people and you gave number one the assignment uh, an assignment as a uh, page with uh, your representing the tenant and here are your uh, here are your uh, you know any of the information you need number two you represent the landlord try and uh, try and do a deal and uh, the end result was that only one couple was able to close a deal in that uh, exercise and um, you mentioned at the end of the day, at the end of the exercise, you said, you know, guys, when you hold all your cards close to the chest, instead of discussing them, you'll never do a deal. And that stuck with me for years and years and years. Um, so let's talk about your programs. Yeah. When I go on your website, we see a 50-50 presentation, the Lipsy 50-50. We see uh Systems for Success, which one was the first one that kind of drove uh, that whole notion of making those programs? Well, I don't know. And here's the reason. <laughs> I've got uh, participants that come up to me that I had in a class 35 years ago. And they'll say, Mike, remember when you told that story? And I'll say, man, I haven't thought about that story in 25 years. I'd have to go back and look at the programs that I did 30 years ago. And the reason is because, as I mentioned earlier, our programs continue to evolve. Take, for example, Presentations 50-50. That's a program we've only been doing for two, two and a half years. And I wish I would have come up with the idea. But a client came to me, a broker client, and said, Mike, I've got a prospect that wants me to make a presentation, but they want a yellow pad presentation. I said, go back and see what they mean by they want a yellow pad presentation. And he comes back to me and says, they don't want a big book. They don't want a big formal presentation. 
they have a lot of questions they want to ask, and they want us to be prepared to answer all those questions, and they want us to do a yellow pad presentation. Well, David, I didn't come up with the 50-50. The 50-50 was a result of let me take the traditional presentation and make it a hybrid by giving what today's clients really want, which is a conversation. So more and more prospects don't want you to come in and kind of just preach to them on why they should hire you. They want to have a conversation with you. So the 50-50 was something that was driven by the marketplace. Take, for example, our newest program, a Top of Mind and Easy to Find. You know, it's just because so many of my clients came to us and say, Mike, what social media should I be using to help our business? So if you just listen to your clients and you listen to your customers, they're going to tell you how you should reinvent your business. To get back to your question, if I had to think back what programs I was doing 25, 30 years ago, we always did a bunch of programs on finance, like where does value come from? You know, that really doesn't change that much. Lease first, lease. You know, so some of the basics we would do on the finance, the negotiating courses, our negotiating course looks pretty similar today that it looked like 25 years ago with some. Our business development courses, now those are the ones that have dramatically evolved. Our presentation courses have dramatically evolved. So there's a number of our programs that don't look anything today like they did 20 years ago. Great. Uh, we're going into the uh, last uh, commercial break. Uh, and uh, once again, we're going to uh, promote the, on our social uh, media and uh, uh, Mike's uh, programs. Also, check uh, Mike Lipsy's uh, website. Uh, Mike uh, was generous enough to offer Systems for Success 4 with a 25% discount from everybody that between today and April 11th uh, will contact uh, the Lipsico and uh, mention our program. Uh, as someone that is using the program, I say I can tell you it works. And we'll see you again uh, after the break. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I-Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. And we're back again with uh, our guest, Mike Lipsy. Uh, Mike, uh, we started talking about your programs. And uh, today, which program is the lead today that, uh, you know, most people that work with you have purchased and, and kind of focused on executing of all well, the programs the question, you offer? Which, which, is, which is our more popular program right now? Correct. Which is the pop, most popular that people are kind of purchasing and, and following and, and executing? Well, we have so many. Our business development programs 
have always been popular. I mean, strong markets, weak markets, you know, there's two things in our world, business development and then what I call transaction management. Transaction management, of course, is getting financing and getting your title insurance and getting the deal closed. Business development is calling on a prospect that wants to do a deal. And so we have come up with a program that allows you to continue to do business development while you're spending more time in transaction management. So you're able to avoid that start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, because when you hit that start, stop is when you plateau in earnings. So our business development courses have always been popular, particularly uh, they've just really been gangbusters the last couple of years. Our presentation programs and our consulting, popular because it's so competitive. Let's say there's a 300-unit apartment complex that's for sale in your marketplace. Well, you're not the only broker that wants to list that property. You've got to compete against two other fine competitors. So our training and consulting for presentations uh, have, have been well-received. We do a lot of that. It's interesting you ask the question because in the last six months, many of our owner developers have called on us to do specifically our negotiating program. I'm doing a negotiating program here today in Las Vegas, and then I'm doing a negotiating program tomorrow in Las Vegas, and I'm doing a negotiating program for a developer of retail on Thursday and Friday in Los Angeles. And so that sometimes is a symptom that maybe, you know, they're feeling a little bit of competition out there, and it's a little bit more challenging to get deals done. So sometimes that's a little bit of a bellwether. So those are three of our programs. Uh, we have another one on investment sales that's become popular. How do you win more investment listings? So those are four of the 20, 25, 30 of our popular programs. Those are three or four that we're doing most frequently. Um, you know, which baby do you like the most? <laughs> Oh, well, there's some that take more out of me. The negotiating course requires more more of me to present. The courses that I like is where I can mix it up with more case studies and role plays and exercises because it's just not as physically as demanding. And you would never think one program is more demanding than the other. They are. And so I always like to do the courses that there's good balance between exercises and case studies, so I'm just not physically exhausted. However, there are a couple of programs that I do that are physically exhausting but rewarding. Take, for example, our presentation training. It requires me to do a lot of presenting, and I am just whipped at the end of the day but it is, it is such a groundbreaking course that makes such a, an incredible a difference in their practice. I can't tell you, David, how often I get calls from commercial real estate practitioners all over this at Lipsy. We did your presentation 50-50. I just won a 10-property package in the Midwest. Man, I can't thank you enough. Well, that to me is the most rewarding call or email I get. And as I tell all of my participants, if this program helps you win more business, just send me an email that just says, we won. Those are the best. Those are my favorite. And they take a lot out of me to put those programs on, but they're also rewarding when you get those positive emails and phone calls back that it help people do more business. Um, Mike, I have a question that always bothers me when, when I get calls from, uh, you know, different trainers and, you know, you have competition in your field as well, like uh, we have and, and everyone has, is the, the follow-up, the execution. Um, you know, one thing is to bring a, a keynote speaker, a trainer for a session or two or buy the program. But the major issue is execution. Do you, as a company, follow uh, with the people that you train about uh, what they execute, how they execute, do they execute? Because uh, if you don't execute, it's just another piece of paper or, or a program on your computer. How, how do you well, deal with the, with the follow-up? With, with After you, you, know, you left, you got your, your check, what's next with the same company? Well, there's three ways. One... When you bring me on to win a particular assignment, we'll know in 30 days whether you won it or not. And so execution is immediate. And if you recall a couple of years ago, we worked with your associates on measurement, calls to contacts, contacts to meetings, meetings to presentations, presentations to new listings. That was all measurable. It's painful. It takes a lot of discipline. Some stick with it. Some don't. 
And so if you recall, we would have those meetings, and I would say, all right, did you make your calls? What? And so that is the second way. The third way is where you tell me, Lipsy, 15 years ago I had you for a training program, and the one thing that sticks in my mind is be more direct, more transparent when you're negotiating because you'll get more deals done in less time. So that's the kind of feedback years later that we continue to hear, which sort of reinforces what we do. So there's really kind of three ways. Now, for years, and, and there's a fourth way, which we do. For some of our clients, we do testing, uh, where they will take a course, and then within 30 days, they have to take a little easy test to make sure they at least understood the content that we delivered. And so we know at least from a conceptual standpoint they got it, whether they use it or not is something else. So there's probably four ways that we're always trying to figure out, are we successful in our delivery? Is it being used? So if they fail the test on the fourth uh, option, uh, do you, uh, you know, refund them? Because, you know, in basketball, you say it's not the guy who didn't catch the ball. It's the passer who didn't pass it right. No, hell, hell no, we don't refund them. <laughs> um, what we do is we call up and say, hey, doofus, how could you have possibly have failed this easy test? So you and I are going to spend the next 20 minutes going over each question so you understand and I will tell you, anyone that's ever gotten those phone calls from me will tell you it could be one of the more uncomfortable phone calls they've had in that year because they weren't paying attention. They were distracted during the program they, because our tests are all open book. When we give a test, they can use any resource that's available to them to answer the question. So what happened, I can't tell you, but it'll never happen again with that particular student. Um, I'll share one more story. Uh, um, we brought um, to, to spend um, half a day with us in uh, with our salespeople, and you at uh, that uh, I remember that we uh, touched into the Black Swan uh, station, and yep. uh, one of our one of our associates, uh, George, used it and won a few uh, mandates in the next uh, couple of years using that method of the black swan. So I encourage people to go on the website and look at the business development that uh, Lipsy company is offering because it works, um, as I mentioned before. Um, I want to change a little bit uh, the topic. Um, what brought the idea of the Lipsy Top uh, 25 brand survey that you do in the industry? Well, what a great question. For years... People would come to me and say, Mike, we're thinking about doing a franchise. Uh, we're a regional firm, and we have no flag. And, and, of course, they mean by that is I have no Hilton or Marriott, you know, and so which one would you recommend? And I said, well, it really depends on your budget. It depends on what you're trying to accomplish. But after getting that question over 100 times, I said, you know, I'm just curious. In the mind of those that are in commercial real estate, who do they think have the most recognizable brand? And when I started that 16 years ago, this is true, I bet you I didn't get a 1,000 votes. I mean, we had to beg people to please turn in their ballot. Well, now we get hundreds of thousands of ballots that are returned, and, it, it, and we, used to, we used to actually uh, count all those votes by hand. It would take two weeks sometimes. Well, now it's done all electronically, uh, and it's just fascinating to see. We have some who made the top 25 this year who weren't on the top 25 last year. We had some that were in the top six or seven that moved down. We had some that moved up. So I'm always curious to know, you know, what the industry thinks about the most recognizable names of commercial real estate. So it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of resources. But just from an intellectual perspective, I've always been curious to know the industry thinks who has the most recognizable name. And it changes. If you go back and look at our surveys from 15 years ago, there's probably 10 names that were on the list in 2000, whatever that was, 15 years ago, that aren't even on the list at all today. They don't, those companies don't even exist today. So the industry changes. So from your experience and for uh, you know, growing the company, what are you have today and say, Mike, I want to a new company, I want to be an engineer, what are the two or three successful decisions you made that you recommend to me, you know, you should go this path or, or do those, those things that, you know, will help you succeed? 
Well, I want to make sure I understood the question. This is someone who is, is considering getting into our business or, in, or into any business. Just general, any business wants to open a business. What are the two or three uh, advices that you're going to give him or her? Well, uh, again, one is to be focused. You know, it is to clearly define uh, what your business is going to be, how you're going to serve your clients. Uh, make sure you don't get distracted. Make sure you're properly capitalized, and that's not always easy to say. And not that you asked this question, but I'm going to give you a response that is sort of an answer. I have three sons, all in commercial real estate. When my youngest son came to me, he says, Dad, I'm thinking about getting into commercial real estate. But he says, I don't want to be like the older two boys. They're both on the equity side. He says, I think I want to be a broker. Which firm do you recommend? I said, well, as you know, I train most of the commercial estate firms, and they're all fabulous organizations. To me, what is most important is what team you join at the firm. So don't be so much concerned about which firm. Interview with teams that have a spot for you. And sure enough, he interviewed with four or five well-known firms, and he also interviewed with four teams that were properly led with senior brokers and strong associate brokers and then, and then good technicians that were on the team. And he joined a wonderful industrial team that was properly led that nurtured him and mentored him. So to answer your question, before you start your own business, have you been properly trained, developed, and mentored where you really understand how to execute and serve clients? So that's how I would answer the question. Make sure you've gotten the kind of training and mentoring that you need. And then don't be fearful. If you really feel like the time is right, then it's time to open up your business. Uh, great answer. Uh, Mike, before uh, you run to your next presentation, I would like to thank you. Uh, your insights and sharing the knowledge was, was great, and I appreciate that. Uh, remember to check uh, com. Uh, next week, uh, I'll be celebrating Passover. Therefore, we'll, we'll be back only on Tuesday, April 18th. Our guest will be uh, Rene, Rian, sorry, Rian Kinch, a co-founder and owner of the Sweat Lab. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, connect with us on LinkedIn, or dvwalk at gmail.com. I wish you all a great and prosperous day. Your host, David Wallach. Thank you for listening to Taking Care of Business. Please join David Wallach again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, make your week as great as you want it. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america variety channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericavariety.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network it's staff and management.